Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. Windiest day of all time today, but hopefully now that I'm in the trees, it'll help cut down on that shit a little bit. So last episode, you know, I got these spikes in this show where it's like, you know, get all worked up and excited about something. And a lot of times, you know, by the very next day, I'm like, what was I talking about? <laughs> so I'd say that's kind of the case with last episode, you know, I was getting all like, I won't change for anyone. You can't make me. Somebody tries to change my story, I ain't gonna do it. You can't make me do that. And yeah, then I was thinking about it later and I'm like, what am I talking about? <laughs> like, who, who is this mystery person that's trying to uh, steer my work into some different direction? And at the same time, you know, it's like if, uh, Say somebody does tell me, I mean, inevitably it's gonna happen. They'll be like, hey, this is kind of not connecting with me. This isn't quite working. This, that, the other thing. It would be very weird to just be like, no, I shan't listen. It's just, you know, it's just, just getting worked up. Just get worked up sometimes about stuff. Really the, uh, the core thing I was talking about is, you know, just that, uh, that I like kind of calmer, smaller stories that uh, are hard to find in North America. In North America, things tend to be a little more bombastic. And I guess it's like one of those things like, you know, in the moment, hey, whatever. I don't mind shooting my mouth off, sounding stupid, but, uh, but then once you've thought about it a little while, it's like, well, obviously it's not really useful to just complain about what you don't like. You know, it's way more helpful to move toward what you do like. But initially, when you're trying to formulate an idea, it is hard to do that. I've always kind of found that. I mean, not to get too dramatic about it, but just in life in general, I have always kind of felt that way of like, it'd be nice if I had positive examples to move toward more. As for what to do, there is no beacon to move toward. It's like, I feel like it's like oil and water. I am repelled away from different things, but as to where I'm going, that's all me, baby. Like I gotta, I gotta figure out my own fucking, I gotta rudder myself into wherever I'm trying to get to because this is a very bad explanation. What I'm trying to say is that's where my brain goes initially, is what do I hate instead of what do I love? So I do kind of hate the action-based North American storytelling. Because even what we would call like a, a stayed drama or a slice of life, it's still, it's not right. Everything that we do is so not to my taste, not what I'm looking for. But yeah, it's hard to know what I am looking for or what I could be moving toward if I don't know what it is or I don't know what to call it or I, whatever. And it's neat that when things like line up together, like I just happened across this video. Well, I didn't happen across it. It's because I was looking up YouTube videos about your name, the anime I talked about last time. And I found this YouTube channel called Beyond Ghibli, where the guy made a nice little video about it. I think it was his first ever video. But then I started digging into his other stuff and I saw a video he made about slice of life anime and how in Japan, they take that an extra step further. Like they have a, a term that I don't remember, but for 
calming works of art, basically. Calming fiction. Instead of reading a story to get all torqued up and all worked up and all fucking agitated and excited by it, it's the opposite. It's like, all right, your day is agitating and exciting enough. Let's read a story that will help distill things down in a more pleasant way. And yeah, it's just awesome. It's just awesome to stumble across stuff like that. You know, like that thing I was rambling about last time, like that there seems to be something different going on in this other culture. They're tapping into something we aren't. And then to find that and be like, oh, not only is that true, there's a name for it and everything. It's a known quantity. It's a thing. In fact, here, I'll just play a little clip, just a couple little minutes from the video. It's called A Series of Moments, An Exploration of Slice of Life from the Beyond Ghibli YouTube page. And it's real cool. Let's listen to that. Life can be messy. It can be busy and hectic and non-stop, filled with drama and tinged with tragedy over the course of even the best of our years. Life, Douglas Adams once mused, is wasted on the living. So, at the end of our long days, as we try to forget about the hustle and bustle waiting just outside our front doors, it feels strange that we often turn to media that is just as dramatic and unpredictable and violent as the world we're trying to escape. In Japan, a society that's far more demanding of its people, whose work versus play dynamic is skewed even further towards the former than our own, they understand the need to truly unwind through the media they consume, to detach from their own reality, to heal. I've spoken before about Iyashike, a subgenre of Japanese media that sets out to emotionally soothe its audience, to impart a sense of calm we all struggle to find in our ordinary lives. It's Audiovisual soul food, mellow movies and TV shows that avoid drama and action in favour of presenting a more relaxed, more grounded and, ultimately, more heartwarming experience. Slice of Life anime is a genre that understands the importance of such media and frequently champions the ashike, the day-to-day -day lives of its numerous protagonists and their significantly lowered stakes, compared to their more mainstream counterparts at least lends these shows an ebb and flow of emotional investment and payoff that can't be found elsewhere in the medium. Through a variety of settings and characters, it finds in each of them a steady, comforting pulse. Slice of Life allows its characters, and consequently anime as an art form, to breathe, and to lean into moments that other shows simply wouldn't have the time for. Our favourite characters are afforded extended opportunities to be funny, or happy, or to truly achieve something worth achieving. They're free to explore romance and friendship with the amount of depth and nuance such relationships demand. These people grow as we watch them, and as we find out who they truly are, they do too. But whilst its shows are more relaxed, however, they're by no means perpetually upbeat or tiringly saccharine. For as warm and fuzzy as themes of coming of age and personal growth are, they usually come with plenty of heartbreak and pain to make the successes of the genre count in a way that feels genuine and earned. Slice of Life understands that life can be messy, but it also understands that life is just a series of moments, some of which are heart-wrenchingly cruel, others wonderfully warm. It minds these snapshots of life in an effort to take us out of our own moments, to explore a life far safer to invest in than our own, 
It's escapism, pure and concentrated. It's not for everyone, but maybe it's for you. So what I also want to talk about this episode is just, uh, just how neat it is to discover things through the process of working. You know, like that's kind of how I found that. A little, it's a little less direct in that case, but because I'm working on my own writing and I'm thinking about what it is I like about fiction and stories, and then it leads me to these, these new ideas and these new things I didn't, I kind of knew about, but I didn't know they were so distilled and so specific. And it's just neat that uh, so much can come of the process, the process of working on things. And I've got a couple other examples of that I wanted to blab about. One of them is, uh, so ever since the start of this podcast, you know, I've always been talking about my nonfiction book that I wrote. I wrote this book about the video game, The Last of Us. And uh, when I started this podcast, I was working on an audio version. I was recording all this audio that I was then going to put out as a podcast and as videos on YouTube. And I had the whole conception in my mind, like, all right, here's what it's going to look like when it's all done. And the audio side is relatively straightforward. It's just another podcast, much like this podcast. It was more the video side that I was like, all right, here's what it's going to look like. Here's the style I'm going to use. I had this little notion in my mind of like, here's what it's all going to look like when it's done. Here's the project that I'm trying to get to the end of, that I'm trying to complete. But it was a huge project. Video editing is way, way more work than audio editing. And I really wanted it to be good. Like I wanted to not just haphazardly throw visuals on there. I wanted every little visual to be very carefully selected. And every little thing that I bring up and every little thing that I mention have the right associated video. And it was so much work that this is another topic that's come up a lot of times in this podcast is like taking things slow, taking things a little bit at a time can be really productive, especially if the alternative is to stop. But that's what I did, I stopped. The very notion of it intimidated me too much. It wore me out, the size of it, the scope of the thing. And like I've described before, it's not like I decided to stop. I didn't write in my little ledger for the day, I've decided to stop work on this project until I sort out my existential problems with large amounts of work. It just happened. I just wasn't working on it anymore. I just wouldn't work on it on a given day, and then I'd miss it the next day, and then I'd miss it the next day, and then it's just months go by. But what I've learned with that project is is that, uh, that idea of just sitting back and thinking about it, conceptualizing it. It was bad because it paralyzed me. It just kind of froze me in place because it seemed like too much. But also, I've learned more and more that this kind of abstract conceptualizing and theorizing about projects is not that useful because it never lines up with the reality. I think it's safe to say never. What ends up happening ultimately is never going to be what you expected it to be. It's always going to be different to some degree 
and in my experience to a large degree it's not like you even ever really get close to the bullseye something weird and different always comes out the other end and it's just it's not useful to overly plan and to overly consider and to overly think it's much more useful to actually do the work and to learn about the project and do the conceptualizing and the re-scoping while you're working on it. Because in the case of this audiobook and its associated video, I finally, I finished that documentary I was working on about Roger Swan and I'm like, all right, now's the time. Two video projects at once was too much, but that first one's done, so now I can work on the other one. And I finished the first big chunk of it, the first like 90 minutes, made a podcast feed for it, made a YouTube channel, put it on YouTube, and it didn't explode right away, but it never does. Like none of my YouTube stuff ever catches on right away. Like most of it doesn't catch on at all. <laughs> it just sits on YouTube. But every once in a while something is successful, but it always takes time. Like my first big one was my Patrice O'Neill retrospective that it's got like over 100,000 views, but that took years for that to happen. Uh, more recently, it's this little video I made with my friends about the old cartoon Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal Explained. And that took a year. That sat there for a year and didn't do that much. And now it's just like ridiculous. It gets like a thousand views a day. It's stupid how many views it gets. It's just like, holy shit, what the fuck happened there? But if uh, any successes I do have in the YouTube sphere, that's how it goes. It takes time time in the market for these things to catch on and to get enough views to get noticed by an algorithm and then start getting recommended and then they take off. So in the case of this Last of Us video, I put out the first big chunk and it hasn't gotten a lot of views because it's brand new and like maybe it never will, but even if it does, it's gonna take a year, two years, who knows? And again, maybe never. But now that I've started working on the project, now that I'm a little ways in, I can just conceptualize the whole thing in a way that I couldn't more abstractly. Now it just seems so much more clear because I'm in the midst of it, I'm working on it. And what became clear to me that was not and could not have been clear before is I don't need to do this whole big project. I don't need to slave away for however goddamn long it will take to make all these videos. I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought that's what I was gonna do. But now that I've done the first chunk and it's just sitting there, first off, I'm not like excited to do more because it's still at the early stages and it just doesn't have a lot of traction. But secondly, what's the hurry, you know? Like if I rush to put out more parts to a YouTube channel with no fucking subscribers, <laughs> the sequel to a video that doesn't have a lot of views, what's the point? Like slower is actually better because the more time this thing sits on YouTube, the more chance it has to become one of these videos that gets picked up by the algorithm and starts getting a bunch of views. So I'm just not feeling like working on it more, but it's not like before. Before I wasn't working on it 
and I had nothing to show. I was getting nothing out of it. I just wasn't working on it. I just had a, a plan, I had a goal, and I just didn't do it. And that was worth nothing. Where now that I've made this step forward, now doing nothing is a strategy. <laughs> now doing nothing is a, a reasonable choice because I can see the scope of what's going on. And basically what I realized is I don't mind working on the audio part so much because it's a lot less work. And why not just do that? Like, why not park the video side, let it sit on YouTube, and even if that's all I ever did, even if I only ever do that one 90-minute video to introduce the book, I mean, honestly, that's enough. That's enough that if people stumble upon that, now they know this is a book, this is a thing that exists, here's where you can get it. It can do the job by itself. I don't necessarily need all 10 parts. I got part one. Meanwhile, I can work on the audio side and that's just so much more digestible, so much more of a reasonable goal. I can just keep grinding away at that and I can put that out. So the podcast feed will have the whole book. It'll be the whole thing, which is easier to do, more realistic to accomplish and seems more appropriate. It's like if you're going to put out an audiobook, I feel like you should put out the whole audiobook. But if you're making a YouTube video, whatever. <laughs> you know, YouTube videos are just things that people stumble upon, you know? It's like winning the lottery with a YouTube video. Sometimes it gets a bunch of views and a bunch of attention, but as far as uh, long-term projects go and getting people to subscribe and to pay attention and to focus, it's really not what YouTube is generally for. And uh, none of this is complicated. It all seems really obvious now. It's like, yeah, just work on the audio part. Fuck it, get that done. That's way more fun, way easier to do. And then when that's done, then see how you're feeling. See how the YouTube one's doing. Did it get any views? Did it get any traction? Is there any interest in more <laughs> to this? Is there any reason to keep going? And then I can decide from there if uh, I do want to keep going or not. But again, it kind of like, it's, it's just never occurred to me that putting out the first bit would do just as much to give visibility to the book than doing the whole book, you know? It's like either you know this book exists or you don't. One video is just as good as 10. And that first video is almost certainly the most important because numbers just dwindle, you know? Like I see it with this podcast. This podcast is doing okay, but obviously less people are still with us here in the 120s of episodes than there were in the first 10. <laughs> you know, it's just how it is. And I think that makes sense and that's fine, you know? Probably a lot of people got whatever they were gonna get out of me within those first 10 episodes. And then the people that decided they just like hearing me ramble about shit, like awesome. Ride or die, thank you for being here. But it's obviously diminishing returns, you know? It just keeps getting deeper and deeper into the minutia of working on a book or working on these different projects. It's probably less, uh, I assume my advice and my circumstances and my methods of working and my way of thinking, just it just becomes less relevant as time goes on to, to different people, you know? And I mean, everybody just bails out on stuff eventually too. I have podcasts that like I loved, that it's like, man, you know, I, I loved every episode. I always did like them. I didn't stop for any reason. I only stopped because yeah, it's episode 200, it's episode 300. It's like, okay, 
I just gotta move on. <laughs> you know, I like this, but I just can't stick around. So yeah, that was nice. Just that nice, uh, just the clarity is what, I, that's what I'm trying to say. There's a clarity that comes through work that you can't have by just abstractly pontificating a subject. I could think about that stupid audiobook and its video component for a couple of years, and I did, and never come to these um, practical decisions about it. Until I'm actually in the midst of working on it, and suddenly the practical realities of how I should be progressing quickly become clear. <laughs> so if you saw that thing and you liked it at all, go subscribe to the podcast feed. You can get uh, a link at keithcourage.com. I'm going to keep doing the audio version, but the video version, no time soon. No hurry on that. Okay, the very last one. Let's just finish with this. Way back in the day, like two years ago probably, when this podcast was still brand new, somebody who emailed me asked if I had an Instagram account. And I said I had Twitter, but not Instagram. And I was a little, you know, I obviously took notice of that. I took note, like, you got to assume that whatever someone tells you, there's a lot of other people thinking that same thing that just never bothered to send you a message. So I'm like, that's interesting, like Instagram. Instagram and writing apparently go together. But I, I just didn't know, like, what would that be? What would I do? I didn't want to just start an account for no reason, you know, just for the sake of having one or just like making some phony baloney account to try to hit all the social media metrics and corner all the different demographics and stuff because I was like, I just, I don't know what it would be. So I, I never pursued that. I had an old Instagram account. I just did for fun one winter where I just took pictures of weird stuff that I found at my mom's house because she still has all the toys and stuff from when I was a kid. But I just did that for a couple months and it was just a weird little project. But I decided to finally start an Instagram account for this podcast. My Instagram name is just NovelPod, if you want to look it up. Because there was a reason now. Is uh, Obviously, COVID is still happening. Things are still quite calm in my part of the world, but everything is still closed. And it's still fucking with me to not have coffee shops to go to. You know, I did all those episodes recently about how hard it is for me to work at home and how much this has been messing with my natural day-to-day -day routine. And it has remained hard. I have not been having an easy time. My writing has been suffering. I've still been getting in writing each day, but it's like not, even for me, it's just not enough. It's just a very small amount. And I just didn't see things progressing in a positive way. You know, it's getting warmer out, which is good, but it's still not quite warm enough. Some days it's still kind of cold on the fingers and it's like, eesh. and if I don't, you know, if I wait until I get home to do writing, it's just, that's just not a good idea for me. That's like too, it's dangerous behavior. <laughs> I'm in danger of missing a day when I do that. I really want to write out in the world, even if it means sitting on a log somewhere and my fingers being cold, I gotta do it. But I needed something else. I needed some other reason to make myself do it. And this dumb Instagram thing, again, like I never could have guessed it would be this effective had I not dived into the breach and just started doing it. 
through the process, you know, the whole thing, it became clear how, how much this was helping. Where my idea is just wherever I'm writing each day, just take a picture. And when I had the idea, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd had this idea earlier, because just think of all the cool pictures I could have taken. I was in Montreal, I was in Amsterdam, I was in Russia, I was in Japan, Tokyo, Fukuoka. I mean, even if I just took a picture of a coffee shop in Tokyo, <laughs> I mean, that would be cool. Uh, even here in my hometown, like I missed all of the snow in this forest. It looked so beautiful when the snow was everywhere. But I've started now where it's just every day I'm just going to sit down, do some writing, and take a picture of the view of whatever I was looking at at that moment because it's very easy, very low effort. This does not add any pressure to my day. It's the simplest thing. But what I've noticed already, even though, and again, it's like, really, I'm just doing this process for myself, you know, for the sake of the process, because there's very few people following this thing so far. But, you know, I'll throw in the relevant hashtags, writing, writer's life, writing, inspiration, whatever the shit. And, you know, I'll get a few little likes of just random people that are just scrolling through shit. So it's not like nobody's seeing it, but it just adds this extra little wrinkle to my day. Just that extra little push to make sure I do some writing. Because I pretty much walk through this cool forest every day, <laughs> you know? Or I'm walking along the river or whatever. As much as I complain about this town, there's a lot of pretty shit here. And now when I see a cool scene, or I'm like, oh, that would make a good picture. But I'm not allowed to take a picture until I sit down and do some writing first. And it doesn't have to be a ton, 10 minutes, whatever. But so far it's like been, I'm sure this will calm down. This is just because I've just started doing this, but I'll see multiple things in a day where I'm like, oh, I want to take more than one picture, but I'm not going to burn myself out. Just one picture a day. And it's just weird how effective it is. This one extra stupid little thing, this little throwaway. And it's even better with Instagram because it is so throwaway. It's like, who fucking cares? There's so many people on Instagram. If anyone just scrolls past this thing and sees it for a quarter second, cool. <laughs> That's the most you can hope for. This is not a valuable project. This is super disposable. But that's enough. It's enough to add this little extra torque to the day, this tiny little extra push. Like, I'm going to do it right now. As soon as I finish this podcast, there's this big fallen log over by this stream. I've never written there before, usually a little further up the hill. There's a picnic table is usually where I stop. But tomorrow I'll go to the picnic table, take a picture from there. Today I'm just going to go sit on this log and I'm going to write for 10 minutes just so I can take the picture. <laughs> you know? And it's like, wow, how cool is this? So who knows if I'll stick with the fucking Instagram thing. I might, you know, bail out on it. But it's so easy that I feel like I'll keep doing it. And I'm excited at that prospect. Like what's kind of lame right now just endless pictures of this one forest that I go to every day. But eventually, when the world calms down and when I'm able to travel again, I'm gonna inadvertently have cool pictures. I like never take pictures. I just don't. It's like, I'll just remember in my brain, I don't need pictures of stuff. I take like three pictures a year. <laughs> you know? I mean, probably, okay, maybe I take 10 pictures a year, whatever. It's not a lot of pictures though. 
But this gives me a reason to to make sure, like to add that extra structure to my day, to make sure I sit down and do some writing, even in these bizarre circumstances where everything is just a log and a fucking in the woods somewhere because there's no coffee shops. But then once I travel around, it'll also inadvertently give me this cool travel log, these cool pictures. I don't know, I'll like show them to my mom or something when I come back. Because <laughs> that is one weird thing. Yeah, it's like I came back from, uh, this time even I hardly took any pictures, but uh, the first time I went to Amsterdam, I was just lucky that my friend Chris is a photographer. He took a bunch of pictures. So I was like, here's my travel pictures, but it never occurred to me to take any. But this way I'll have them. I'll have cool pictures of the places that I go. Maybe it's valuable to somebody on Instagram. Maybe they'll think this is cool. Just a day after day after day, see these pictures that I, it's like, here's where I did writing every day. And most importantly, it really has helped shore up this stupid circumstance, this weird, the whole world shut down thing. It's just, it's like this little hump that I just wasn't getting over on my own. I needed something else. And it's just little Instagram pictures. So easy, so silly. But again, I never would have known it would work that well till I just tried it. Like, fuck it, let's just dive in. Let's just see how this works. And it's working, it's working out well. Hey, here's a quick little update from the next day. I was just saying yesterday how uh, it's a shame I didn't start this little photography project while it was snowing, because it would have looked pretty. And what do you know, <laughs> the next day, despite it being May, it's snowing. <laughs> probably only gonna last for today it's this really wet snow but sweet managed to get snow pictures and just to uh, be legit about it <laughs> I did write in the snow I didn't fake it <laughs> I didn't cheat it I didn't do a ton I basically took I've got a basic layout for the next chapter of my novel and I split it into pieces I split it into like it's five or six major beats and so instead of being one big file it's six only took a few minutes but I didn't want to get too much snow on my phone you know but technically I did some writing out here but what I wanted to say that ties in with the idea of uh, just cool stuff happening through work you know through just an endeavor of any kind is uh, when I first moved to Vancouver in 2004, 2005, whenever the fuck that was, and I got this coffee shop job, and one of the guys who worked there was a guy named Kazu from Japan. And I loved hanging out with Kazu. He was one of the best guys that worked there. He was awesome. We did graveyard shifts on the weekend a lot. He was even a good example of, just in order to like practice English, he asked me uh, if I wanted to just go to a restaurant with him, go get curry or something, just so he could practice having a conversation and just so we could hang out. But you know, we would hang out for like eight hour shifts at work anyway. And, uh, and I felt just, I was all nervous and awkward even more so back then. And I was like, I don't really want to. I feel awkward and weird about this. Socially apprehensive. But I did it and it was super fun. <laughs> It's actually the first time I ever had curry. 
and we just had a real fun day. And it's just one of those weird little memories that'll flit across my brain where I'm like, man, I wish I could go eat curry with kazu again. So that's a miniature version of the same thing, I guess, is just, you just do it, just do the thing. Do the thing that's a little unusual for you to do and it might be super fun. But yeah, kazu moved back to Japan. It's from Yokohama. And we tried to keep in touch with him a bit. We had a pretty tight-knit little group that worked at that coffee shop. But I remember the last person who really talked to him was my friend Leo from China. Called him and they were trying to have a conversation and Kazu was just like, my English is gone. <laughs> you know, it just kinda, once he wasn't in North America anymore, he just had a hard time speaking conversationally anymore. And that was really kind of the last I heard of Kazu. I hadn't really heard what he was up to since then. So it's been well over a decade. But my dumb little Instagram account, I don't know how I came across his feed. I don't know how he found it. I didn't connect it to my Facebook or anything. I just wanted to see what would happen if I just let this writing Instagram just be its own thing. Just watch what would happen. But I guess I connected to enough people from back in the Vancouver days that it eventually got to Kazu, and yeah, I just saw this morning, like, you've been followed by Yoshi Kazu. And I was like, fucking cool, dude. <laughs> That's fucking Kazu. That's fucking awesome. And he's a, a photographer now, and I was going through his stuff. I found a picture he took of the sky tree. <laughs> and it's just so cool. I just sent him a quick little message and was just like, hey, buddy, I finally went to Japan last year. It was awesome. Hopefully next year I can go back. And just that I'm reconnected with Kazu, I never expected that to happen in a million years, you know? And it's one of those things if I like set my mind to it of like, I must find Kazu again. I guess I probably could, but when would that happen, you know? For that to just fall in my lap, it's so cool. It's like, ah, man, that's cool. That's one of my favorite dudes from back in the day, but who lives across the world and who mostly can't speak my language. <laughs> That's not an easy connection to, to make or maintain or rekindle. And it just happened. It just happened completely just because I started a stupid throwaway Instagram account to just take a little picture every day when I do writing. And it happened right away. <laughs> Three days in, I'm friends with Kazu again. Fucking awesome, just amazing. So yeah, again, the moral of the story is just do stuff. It doesn't even need to be particularly well-planned or with a particularly grand vision. Just do some stuff and stuff will happen. <laughs> That's it. All right, let's throw back to uh, me from yesterday to do song of the day. All right, let's do uh, Song of the Day. I was thinking last episode when I was talking about North American media and how I don't really like North American storytelling. And then I happened to be listening to the No Effects song, The Decline. And I'm not gonna play the whole thing because it's an 18 minute song, but it's worth it. Man, it's a good song. It's the best 18 minute song you'll ever hear. But I'm just gonna play a part of it because man, there's this one lyric from that song that I'd forgotten about, but that to me really does sum up my feelings about North American movies and North American stories in general. 
is a symphonic blank stare. Like, it's loud, it's pretty, it's well done, it's symphonic. Boom, you can't miss it, it's a thing, but it's a blank stare. There's fucking nothing in it, man, there's nothing there. I love that line so much. So here's an excerpt of The Decline by No Effects. Thank you for listening. Novel Pod on Instagram <laughs> is the new Instagram account. Check it out if you're an Instagram person. If you're not, I mean, don't fucking bother. It's not that special. But uh, if you're already on there anyway, man, why not? All right, talk to you next time. Zero.